0: Good evening. Encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Tonight, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11 have considered the words from Jesus to judge not, lest you be judged. Now, Jesus focuses our attention upon the nature of that judge and our access to Almighty God with words of encouragement, uh, an invitation offered to ask and seek and knock, and then promises associated with those commands as well. The Bible is inspired and and follow the word of God. is our only rule of faith and practice. Here, Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? For he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Let's pray together. Our Lord and God, we pray, as we open this, your holy word, we pray it would penetrate the hearts and minds of all here. Help us not only to understand it, but to apply it. We're thankful that you are a God who meets us where we are and moves us. And so would you do that tonight, no matter how close or far we have found ourselves from you when we walk in this sanctuary, Lord, may you draw us ever closer to yourself tonight through this passage, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. A 21-year-old man walked into an Indiana bank one time with a $50,000 check, asked it to be cashed. The check was invalid, there was no imprint, it was clearly forged, it was signed, this is how the teller knew. It was signed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, gave it away, now you go pull off that trick, you as well should be put in jail for such forgery. But the example is, there's a check written as it were in Matthew chapter seven, a promise made with Jesus' name actually on it, because he's the one who spoke the words. Here's what he calls you to do, and yet here's the blessings associated with that. Far better than any forged check, far better than any check. Here, the promise associated with the commands. And tonight my plan is simply this. To, To look at the invitation, what's it mean to ask and seek and knock? And then the promises associated with that. I'm convinced of this. That if we begin to pause and consider what Jesus says. Then Monday morning looks profoundly different for you and I. We, we think we care for ourselves. We think we care for our children. Nobody cares for us like our Heavenly Father. Nobody loves you like your Heavenly Father. No one has the resources that your Heavenly Father has for you. And here... Jesus Christ, the mediator who's bridged the gap between us and God, he says, here's what you're compelled to do, even commanded to do, but privileged to do. Ask and seek and knock. First the invitation, and then the promises associated with that invitation. Three observations about verse seven. Ask and be given to you, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Three observations about the invitation to pray. And the first observation is simply this, that God calls everyone to seek him, but these promises are for his children. So think of an Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous his deeds. There's a, there's a, pr- a passage for you. If you are in your wickedness, you are far from God, you're not a Christian, here's what God's word says. Seek me, come find me. With the sweet promise that if we seek the Lord with sincerity, we'll find God. He says that in Isaiah chapter 55, verse six and seven. But verse seven to 11 of Matthew is for his disciples, it's for his children. We know that from verse 11 where Jesus makes reference to your father who is in heaven. And so think for a moment about two categories. The the non-Christian can call God God, but only the Christian can call him father. To those who received him, to those who believed his name, we we receive the the right to be called children of God, John chapter 1. This sweet promise that the fundamental way in which we relate to our to God Almighty, it changes through the gospel. He is our God, but he's more than that, he's our Father. And therefore, as we think about Matthew seven, we're thinking about accessibility to God. This, This God of infinite glory and majesty, who seems so far away and so mighty, and yet, in the scriptures he says, I'm your Father in heaven. So tonight, the first business I think we have to do is to put ourselves in one of these two categories. Am I the wicked man or perhaps the wicked woman who's not forsaken their way, who's refused to believe the gospel, who's not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who's not repent of your sins? If that's where you are and say, I'm just unsure of all of that, there's good news here. Seek the Lord while he may be found and he will be found. God says come. God says run to my son Jesus and he'll meet us right there. If that's confusing at all to you, you're uncertain of where you are, come see me or any of the pastors afterwards tonight. We'd love to help you think through, what does it mean to acknowledge my sin and run to Jesus as savior, repent of that and believe in him and have God as my heavenly father. And for those who have done that, by the grace of God, you've been convicted of your sin, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then here's a glorious invitation for you. Ask and seek and knock in these promises that are coming. So the first observation, everyone can seek God, but Matthew seven, seven to 11 is for his children saved by, by his grace. Second observation is this, that Jesus says God is accessible on many levels. No matter where you are spiritually tonight, as a Christian, God's accessible. Now, I'm building off the words here in verse seven of ask and seek and knock. You'll meditate for a moment on those words. He doesn't say ask, 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 or seek, 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 or knock, knock, knock. He says something different. Ask and seek and knock. So consider for a moment, maybe your own relationship with your dad or imagine if he's already passed away, that the sense of what at you, times you're really close and times you're further away. Imagine for a moment, your relationship was good with your father and you're in the same room and you need something. And so what would you do? You would just, you'd ask dad, can, can you help me with this? But imagine for a moment, you're in the same house, but you're, he's not in the same room. He's gone away, he left a little while ago and you gotta find him, you, you seek through the house. You find dad in his office or his room and you say, dad, can you, can you help me in this matter? Or imagine you're searching through your house and to go find him and yet there's a door that's closed, it's shut, there's an obstacle between you and your father, what would you do? You wouldn't just simply ask or you have to ask and then seek and then knock. And if he's a kind heavenly father, he'd make time for you. A, t- a kind earthly father, he would make time for you. My sense says, If we pause for a moment, you shared, where are you in your relationship with God? There's some of you in this room tonight who would say, my relationship with God is so close. I feel like he's in the room with me. And Jesus says, if that's the case, if you you feel so close to God, then just ask your heavenly father and he'll he'll give it to you. But there's others in the room tonight who would say, you know, for, for various reasons, maybe, the neglect of your own spiritual life or the sin that's in your life, that I feel like God is, it's almost like He's in the He's in the other room right now. There's some distance between me and my God. I just don't feel very close to God. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 7, if that's where you are, then seek him. Seek and you will find him. In other words, God is accessible on all kinds of levels. You feel like he's in the same room? Ask him. You feel like he's in a different room. You go seek him, you'll find him. And some of you will say, John, I don't feel like God's merely away from me, some distance between me and my God. I feel like there's actually barriers between me and my God. There's obstacles that are in the way. And so here I am in my life, whatever struggle or tension or trouble, and I feel like he, he's, a, he's a million miles away and there's a wall between us this door that seems slammed shut in my face. Jesus says, then start knocking. Start knocking. Maybe the obstacle is your sin or your neglect. Maybe it's some sin done to you and you feel like God's just a long way away, you start knocking on that door. Verse seven, knock and the door will be opened. In other words, this verse seven says to us, God is accessible no matter where you are tonight. A long way away by your own doing or the sin of others, you start asking and seeking and knocking. This God, Jesus says, he's your heavenly father. And in the work of Jesus Christ, he's made all that possible. He's dealt with your sin, he's dealt with your, fa- your heavenly father's wrath. There's nothing in the way. You might feel like something's there, but God says, here I am, O oh, Christian, I'm ready. I pursued you in my love. I'm available to you. I'm accessible to you. Ask and seek and knock. And you'll receive and you'll find. And the door will be open unto you. These are glorious words. Don't trust your feelings. Hear the word of Christ. You ask, you seek and knock. He's available. Third observation is this. This invitation to pray In that invitation, Jesus says, be persistent. Again, verse seven, ask and be given, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. Perhaps there's a difference between those three. Maybe it's the same idea driven home over and over again. What is notable in the original language is that they are present imperatives. They're commands and imperative. Here's something to do. You need to ask, you need to seek, you need to knock. Now Jesus is not denying the sovereignty of God who can work without us asking or seeking or knocking. But in the the economy of God, there's the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And Jesus is speaking about the responsibility of man. Here's what you must do. You ask and you seek and you knock. But it's a a command but a present imperative. So the idea is you ask and you keep on asking. You seek and you keep on seeking. You knock and you keep on knocking. There must be a persistence about these things. It's a continual action. And so not denying the sovereignty of God for a second, but resting for a moment on our lane of responsibility. What am I to do? I can't just ask one time and God didn't give it and I'm done and think the problem's on his end. No, I ask and keep on asking. Or I can't just seek him out for five minutes, uh, like a, a game of hide and seek with your kids, perhaps, and say, I'm just done, I'll just leave him there. You seek him you, till you find him, because the promise is he's gonna be there. You seek and keep on seeking, or knock. Imagine you're supposed to knock on somebody's door to get some solicitation of some sense, and you just knock twice and run back to the car. That can't be your prayer life, but oftentimes that, that is our prayer life. I cried out one time. I cried out for 10 minutes, I cried out for two days. There is this mystery about it all of course. God doesn't even need our prayers to move on our behalf. But he gives us this privilege and this responsibility. We must be persistent in that. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. There must be a persistence about our prayers. And in that way, we trust God's sovereignty. He'll reply when he judges best. His wisdom is so much greater than our wisdom. We we want it now, if you're anything like me. We want it yesterday, actually, before I ever prayed. And yet here we find the command, ask and seek and knock. This precious promise for Christians, not because we deserve it, we're saved by grace alone, but in that spot, given access to our Heavenly Father. Accessible no matter where you find yourself in your spiritual life, you, you can have access whether he feels close, or far, or even obstacles in the way. He's accessible, Jesus says, and yet, be persistent. Ask and keep on asking, knock, uh, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. This persistence is found in Luke 11, by the way, just to drive the point home for a moment. Luke 11, verse five, Jesus ties these ideas together. Luke 11, verse five, Jesus says to them, which of you has a friend who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot give, him, give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, that is his persistence, Jesus says he'll rise and give him what he needs. Now verse 9 says, I tell you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And to the one who seeks, finds and the one who knocks, it will, be, it will be opened. Now what's fascinating about Luke chapter 11 is Jesus comparing God to this brother who says, because you're my friend, I'm not even willing to get up for you. But because you keep on knocking, there's something in the economy of God, it's a mystery, and yet the truths are laid plain before us. God is sovereign to do whatever he pleases, and yet he calls us, even seems to wait a bit to see if we'll keep on asking and keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's far the design. And so I think in my own spiritual life, if I pause for a moment and say, well, what do you mean, how many times do I have to pray? How many times do I have to seek for him? And, and I don't have the answer except, except this. This is my heavenly father. And to go to him is a great joy. I have access because of the blood of Jesus. I can, I can, I can pray to him. I can have the Spirit pray on my behalf when I'm too weak to pray. But on the other side of all of this is a God who set his love on me when he could have set his judgment upon me. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to be with him, to be persistent in my prayers. Not to prove the merit of your prayers or the sustaining level to to get, you get 10 prayers, you get certain things, but we we trust him in his word. Ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. Jesus lays it before us and so therefore, we live by faith and we follow his command. That's the invitation to pray. Now, the promise is associated with that invitation. Now, there's four of them in the passage if I count right. first three and verse seven. I ask, we give to you, that's promise one. Seek and you'll find, promise two. Knock and be opened to you, that's promise three. The fourth promise is down in verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So a, a quick comment on all four. The first one is this, ask and it will be given to you. Now we have to be careful about this. All scripture has to be taken into context. This is, as I said, in some ways, it's like a check that, that Jesus wants to cash for us, but it's not a blank check as if I could put anything I want in that, that memo line, right? This is not, God, I will, I will really love to have master's tickets for my whole family for generations. Now, he could do that, right? But what's the context of Matthew 7, it's Matthew 6, where Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus does give us the right and responsibility to pray, give us this day our daily bread. We saw that several, perhaps months ago now, we have the right to pray for our basic necessities. Not extravagance, not wealth, but pray for our needs. We can go before our Father and ask for those things. And then in Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, I mean on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay it for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not break in, or uh, do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And so in our minds, you go to ask, seek, and knock, we have to go through Matthew 6 to get to Matthew chapter 7. We must be kingdom-minded people who seek kingdom resources to be given to us by God for kingdom goals. And if we have that framework in our mind, Then you ask and it will be given to you. In the context, it is glorious. Lord, I need wisdom and patience to raise my children in the fear and admonition of God. You ask, that will be given to you. Lord, I need grace to lay down my life for my spouse to honor her or to honor him like you called me to do. You you ask for that. That will be given to you. You take this in context. You realize this is a glorious promise that God has made to us. But it has to be within the framework of Scripture, not even our own desires. That's promise one. Promise two is is seek and you'll find. Again, thinking of that relationship with God and to have the confidence. Jesus says to me, not, not some pastor, Jesus says, I will not be left in the dark away from my Savior. I will not seek out the glory and the presence of Jesus Christ, the the remembrance of his pardon on my life. I won't seek those things and be left hanging because Jesus will be there. He'll be there and meet me in that hour of need. Lord, give me wisdom and grace to follow you and to remember the promises you made in scripture. Seek those things. You will find them in Jesus Christ. Grace, grace of God to fulfill my responsibility at work to honor you with all that I have, all that I'm doing. Lord, give me strength sufficient for today. Meet me in that hour of need. Jesus, he will be there. And you open Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, and say, God, you promised if I sought you, you would allow me to find you. It's promise two. Promise three is knock and the door will be opened. I think of this idea of obstacles in our life We face them all the time, frustrations that come up all the time, barriers that come up in our life, hurdles between us and our God, hurdles between us and our family. Feels like there are obstacles all around us. And yet here, God says, you just start knocking. Lord, I need you today. There's a growing tension in my family. Lord, there's an obstacle in our family dynamics. Lord, would you be gracious? Knock down those obstacles and work in my family. God says, you knock, I'll answer. Lord, be gracious to deal with the sin in my own heart. Lord, I'm knocking at your door because this sin has got a hold of me and I can't get rid of it. You knock. That door is going to swing wide open of God himself. And in that moment, you'll realize this God, holy, 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 but approachable. Like like the best of earthly fathers, approachable. Approachable caring for me in my hour of need. You ask and seek and knock. There's promises, all in context, but they're here and they're rich and they're true. And then we find this fourth one, which is beautiful to me. Verse 11, which of you, we'll start back in verse nine. And which of you, if a son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a a serpent? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Now, I know, and we have to pause and say that there are many of you in this room who might have a wonderful relationship with your dad, and so this, this makes sense. Uh, I can just ask him, and, and he would care for me. He would, he would want to respond. Others are not so good, right? The, the, the neglect or the abuse or the anger, all those troubles are there. What's beautiful about this passage is that while God has designed our earthly fathers to teach us much about our heavenly father, God also knows that the best of earthly fathers are sin-stained men. And yet there's a logic about verse 11. He's arguing from the lesser to the greater to say even, the, even if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. What's he saying in verse 11? But, but this, if you think for a moment how we typically compare our dads and we say that one's a really good dad and that one's a really bad, bad dad. And we, we make this division amongst dads. And yet Jesus says, here's the division you need to keep an eye on. That even the best of earthly fathers is sin stained. There's even in the worst of fathers, there's still, still some compulsion to say it would be wrong to give our child a serpent or a stone if they needed something. And so, but take the best of dads, there's an infinite distance between the best of dads and our heavenly father. And so this moment, as we can kind of work from the lesser to the greater, to say even if you had a father who was generally kind and caring and concerned about your life, even the best of dads, their anger gets them sometimes, or their lack of patience, or they don't know all your needs, or they don't have the ability to meet all of those needs. But your heavenly Father is not like that. Your heavenly father is immutable. It's one of those theological terms you say, I don't care much about immutability, just give me the love of God or the patience of God. No, the fact that he's immutable, he doesn't change, is glorious. He's a good heavenly father. He's gonna be that tomorrow. In a thousand years from now, he's still gonna be that same father. And that heavenly father says to you, I will provide for you. And so, so much of what he's called us to do is to say, look at that earthly father, extract out all this bad or all this limited and see what a heavenly father could be like from that small stained image. That's our father who's approachable and caring. That's the father that we turn to and can, fr- can receive from. He's greater than anything you've ever known. In fact, your earthly father is a means by which you can understand this heavenly father, even in the worst of them. You can see something about the nature of where God could be like. And so in this promise, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? Where should it leave us? This invitation to pray, ask, and seek, and knock, the promises associated with that, where should it leave you and I tonight? With this clear understanding that God is accessible. That Almighty God, who rules all things, holds all things together, and yet says in his infinite abilities, he's available to you. And therefore, as we think about tragedies, which there's lots of them around us, here's a, perhaps, one of the greatest tragedies, that God Almighty gives us this invitation to pray, associates promises with that, and sometimes we're just not moved to heart to do that. He's accessible no matter where you are tonight. He'll meet you right there. You ask or seek or knock, he's there. And yet we fail to do that. And so in the kindness of Jesus Christ, who tells us not only the nature of how you get in the kingdom, the Beatitudes, but says here's life in the kingdom, and reassures you tonight. No matter how much the world has disappointed you, or seemingly God has disappointed you, or no no matter how much you feel like you've disappointed God, these promises are for you. They're here, and they're clear. And you could start tonight. God, make us the kind of people who love to ask and who eagerly seek and who even not when something's in the way, because we know your promises, oh God. Let's share a story about a woman named Nori. This happened in her own life. Nori, Muslim woman in Jordan who serves as a nurse in a hospital was a cancer patient, a cancer patients. A series of them died, one right after the other. And she would sense in her own life between the abuse by her earthly father since the age of four, and the death she had seen around her, she was convinced she had demons attacking her. Jinns is what they're called in the Islamic culture. She's overwhelmed at work, a doctor comes to her one day and says, are you okay? You seem overwhelmed. You seem like you're hopeless. The woman said, I I have no hope at all. I go home, it's miserable. I come to work, it's miserable. I go to pray, it's miserable. She's overwhelmed. And this doctor says, I want you to come with me to a meeting. But I need you to trust me for a bit. And she says, where are we going? And she says, lowering her voice, we're going to church. The woman said, I can't go to church, I'm Islamic, I'm a Muslim, I can't, I can't do that. She says, so where are you gonna find hope? She goes, I, I have no hope, then come with me. They go to church, they meet with the pastor, she tells her story, she says, I feel like I'm oppressed by these demons, my life is miserable, and she says, let me tell you, the pastor says, let me tell you about, about Jesus and began to share the story and pray that Jesus Christ would work in her life. The woman was saved that day. The, The demons were gone. Life looked profoundly different. She's overwhelmed with a relief she hadn't had in years and years. She feels forgiven. She feels clean. She feels like she has access to God. She has hope for the first time in her life. And she goes home from there, knowing her mother and father are gonna hate this news. Only to find the massive family gathering at home and her father, the abuser, has died. And so in that moment, she says, I can't share this news now. They would bury her father within a a day or so, grieving for a certain season. The end of the week, she tells her mother, Mom, I've placed my faith in Jesus. As the story goes, Mom balled up her fist and struck her across the face, knocked her off the chair in the floor and sent her to her room. Every time she came out, mother would spit on her and curse her. And so here was her life, this growing gospel presence in her heart. The love of Jesus was just growing in her every day as she would read the scriptures. And then she would walk out to see her mother who would yell. She'd go to a hospital with dying patients. And yet she was profoundly different on the inside. And she began to be burdened of heart. I'm going to read the Bible. And she was reading and reading. And she got to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And she's prayed that night, Lord, would you make me a light to my country and to my mother? She decided that night she would take social media, make a, a, a not a fake, but a, a profile under the name Huba Has Hope. And in that way, she began to post a single post that says. Clearly a picture of her uh, in Islamic guard with just the eyes, but anonymous in that sense. In a single post that says, I have found hope for the first time in my life. I'll tell you how tomorrow night, if you'll befriend me. The next night she opens it back up. There are 103 friend requests. And so she accepted every single one of them and says, I've found it in the name of Jesus. Well then the the backlash started. You infidel. You should die. And the other said, I would love to know what hope feels like. Could you tell me more about Jesus? There's messaging happening on Facebook Messenger. And so the next night, there's 150 more friend requests. And every day she'd go to work. Uh, Every night she'd come home, her mother would curse at her and spit on her. And then every night after that, she'd go and get back on social media and start debating and encouraging the gospel. All the while praying, that God in his kindness might save her mother. She was asking and seeking and knocking. After about a month, there are a thousand followers on this page and she's up till two and three and four in the morning responding back with some questions like, is the Bible corrupt? Or do Christians worship three gods? And others are, what is it like to place our faith in Jesus? Three o'clock one morning, there she is, she's exhausted. She knows she needs to turn it off and get some sleep. And she gets a friend request from her mother. And she realizes what's happening in that moment. She says, how can I help you? And the mother says, not knowing it's her daughter, my daughter has a joy I have never seen. Because every day she'd come home and she would make this, uh, the, the mom would begin to curse. And her daughter Nori never responded evil for evil, but prayed silently for her mother. So for weeks go by, this back and forth is happening between mom and Nori. At some point in time, it's, you begin to realize she genuinely wants this. There was one particular night, Nori said, I was gonna break down the door, she's texting her mother or messaging on the opposite side of the door, right, mind you. There they are, the spiritual battle happening between what would seem like enemies and yet they're mother and daughter. And she said, I pray, Lord, can I go out there and tell her I'm the lady. And she said, I was so impressed of heart, Jesus said, no, 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 don't go to her. Keep sending her to me. So one particular day, it became clear, the gospel broke in this woman's heart. She messaged back, I placed my faith in Jesus. And yet Nori said, I'm not going today. About two or three days later, she was waiting on her mother to initiate this conversation. And so she eventually gives her till the end of the week. She tells her mother, mom, I'm going to church this week to be baptized her mother said I'm so proud of you I now have what you have and the daughter said I'm Huba I'm the one you've been messaging all this while and God in his kindness has given me the desire of my heart to see my mother converted She asked and seeked and knocked. They went to that baptism together. Mom's on the front row. Nori got baptized. She goes and sits down and waits for the next people. And the mother said, I wanna be baptized as well. These two Muslim women in Jordan have now been baptized in this quiet setting. How? The sovereignty of God's all over that. But part of the story is a woman who came to Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, and said, Jesus has made promises now let me be explicit not every prayer will be answered the way exact way we want to be be answered and yet the promises are here and the words are true let us be the very kinds of people who believe God's word and ask and seek and knock and trust him in his sovereign will let's pray together Lord, I pray tonight you would be gracious to us where we are slow to believe, oh Lord, would you make us people full of faith, where we are doubters, oh Lord, may we find ourselves testing you or in a good way to say, Lord, would you you prove this over and over? And yes, make us people who trust your sovereignty because our timing is not always your timing, but be gracious, oh God. May we in the days ahead Because of the power of your scriptures and promises, like this invitation, may we give testimony as well that our God is accessible and our God is faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen.